Welcome to Shas Illuminated. Please enjoy the following shear. Okay, I'm going to work my way a little bit backwards today. We'll start with the very end of Parshas Baloyscha, and then we'll go back towards the middle of Parshas Baloyscha, the beginning of Parshas Baloyscha. We're not going to cover this year, but Shlomo, I hope that there'll be uh, years to come that we'll have that opportunity. But for now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in focusing. The end of the Parsha is a very, very important Parsha, of the Tsaras of Miriam. It's so important that it's one of the Sheish Zechiros to remember what happened to Miriam, to remember the Lashon Hara that she spoke. Miriam spoke badly about her brother Moshe, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu reacted very strongly to that and um, strongly rejected Miriam's Lashon Hara and to the point that he gave her Tsaras. That's one of the places that we see the relationship between Lashon Hara and Tsaras. When Miriam got Saras, which was a very, very strong psak of displeasure from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, it's like you know, there's even a the, there's even a this lashon in Chazal that the highest level of human experience is called Oineg. Like Oineg is loosely translated as pleasure, but it's so much more than that. And the same letters rearranged, the lowest experience of man is Nega. And that's the affliction of tzaras. It's 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 considered a tremendous um, expression of Hashem's displeasure, to the point that even Hashem Himself describes it as ve'oviha yoroik yorak befaneha, which like like had her father like spit in front of her, like like such a level of rejection. So. So, like a nezifa, the lashon of the targum is nezifa to like to. It's a, just a a strong rejection. Do not speak negatively about another yid, especially Maishar Abenu. So, I want to discuss two things. Two things about this parsha. Um, the first one is on the way that Hakadosh Baruch Hu brought the tsaras. The Pasuk says, Perak Yud Beis, Pasuk Yud, the Pasuk says, Vehe Onon Sor Me Alha Oyel, the Onon, um, I really should have been mocked him when HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared to Aaron and Moshe to, um, to, to, um, to give over this punishment. HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared, the Amud Onon, like in a pillar of a cloud at the very end of the Parsha. Um, Hashem descended in a pillar of, of a cloud. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke to Moshe and Aaron and said, well, how could you speak this way about Avdi Moshe? Miriam and Aaron. Miriam and Aaron, thank you. How could you speak this way about Avdi Moshe? And then the Onon leaves. The Onon turns away from on top of the oil. And Miriam had Saras. Says Rashi, half level fellow, unbelievable. Rashi says like this. Pedagog. 
Yeah. Of children. Teacher of children, Dr. Hack says. Sounds like it's, it must be a Greek word. Um, it's a marshal to a king that tells his prince's mentor, that's also accurate, right? It tells his prince's mentor, Rida Esbeni, punish my son. But don't punish him until I go away. I, I don't want to be here when you punish him. Because I have compassion for him. This Rashi is somewhat disturbing. If you think about it, it seems somewhat disturbing. Hashem is giving a punishment to Miriam, and he's like, You're going to be punished, but I don't want to watch. <laughs> that she she's your daughter and she's being punished. Which father does that anyway? What what does that mean? Punish my son after I leave. What does that mean? What, what's what's the message here? Why is Hakadosh Baruch Hu leave when 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 his daughter is being punished? Why why does it say that? So. I think it's a good opportunity to chazer a tremendous yisoid, and I think it is accurate. I think that it's appropriate to apply that yisoid to this Rashi. And that yisoid is based on a pasuk in the very beginning of the Torah, where it says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu named day and night. HaKadosh Baruch Hu named the light day, and he named the dark night. By Yikra, Elohim la'orion and Hashem Elohim Hashem called the light day velachoshech karalayla and to the darkness he called night So fract the medrash the medrash asks one second why doesn't it say vayikra Elohim lachoshech layla why does it say Hashem's name when it's associated with calling the the light day, but it doesn't say Hashem's name in association with calling the darkness night. It says Vayikra Elokim La'or Yoim Velachayshech Karalayla. Now you might ask, what, what should you say Elokim twice? It's a little bit of a kasha on the Chazal's kasha. We would ask Akash, why does it say Elohim twice? It occurred to me a long time ago that I think I may have seen this somewhere. I think I saw this somewhere. That the question was, anyway, it's in the wrong order. What comes first, day or night? Night. First is the night and then is the day. So if you're naming something night and something day, what should you name first? You should name the darkness night and then the light day. HaKadosh Baruch Hu switched it around just that it shouldn't say Elohim on the darkness. <coughs> so what's the pshat in that? So the Chazal say, you know why it doesn't say Hashem's name on the darkness? Because Hashem doesn't call his name on the on the night. Bad things Hashem doesn't associate with. Really? Who created the night? Hashem did. 
it's like it was like done by anonymous. Of course, Hashem did it to suggest otherwise. Is the worst kfira. Of course, everything comes from Hashem. It's one of the fundamental, unique parts of Yiddishkeit, of, of our religion, that we believe that both the good and the bad emanate from the same source. It's Echad. Hashem Eloikeinu, Hashem Echad. It's unique. Even other monotheistic religions don't look at it that way. This is unique to Yiddishkeit. So what are we saying? Hashem calls His name on the light, and He doesn't call His name on the darkness? Why? Hashem... Yitzer Oyer, HaKadosh Baruch created the night and the darkness. So the answer is based on the Yisoyed. I'm, I'm quoting to you from the Pachad Yisoyed just because I feel that when, when I learn Pachad, besides to the warmth of having learned it from my Rabbeim, but I also find his wording to be like uh, so unbelievably... I'm sorry, I don't have a better word. It's so unbelievably delicious, delectable. That um, that it just it would just be a shame not to. I want to read to you from Maimer Chaf Ois Gimel, where he discusses something about Hashem, we, something that we know, but he puts it into crystal clear words that will make it easy to apply to the pasuk in Parshas Bereishis, and I believe to our Rashi in Parshas Baalaischa. The Rav says, and if you, with the depth of knowledge, with the depth of wisdom, you, you, it, it appears, he says, that, that the will of Hashem to give reward, to do good for people, that is the original Ratzayin. That is the original Ratzin for which Hashem created the world. I want to give. Hapoyil, and it, 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 it operates, thank you. Hapoyil, it operates bitur kayach rishain. Like a, like a kayach rishain. It's the first, it's the main thrust. It's the main purpose. It's the, it's, it's really what I'm doing here. This is why I'm here. But the desire to give punishment for Averis, that's a secondary intention of Hashem. That's not, Hashem didn't create the world so He could have creations to punish. That's not why He created the world. Hashem created the world to spill over from His goodness onto His creations. So what's the point of punishment? He says, It's just an outgrowth of the original Ratzayin, and he goes on to explain that in order that we should do things that we are worthy of reward, there has to be a balance in the world where there's a choice between the good and the bad, and there's a deterrent from the bad, and there's a Meshicha to the good, and that helps bring us to where we need to be, to follow HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ratzin is not that way. If you think about it, if you are involved with children, it's certainly like that. I hope, if it's not, see a therapist. Because the Iker Ratzin, if you're involved with children, is the Iker Ratzin HaMakairi is, I want to do good for my children. 
I sometimes I say no to them. Yeah, that's an outgrowth of wanting to do good for my children. You find this in many ways. How many times have you tried to hold back or limit something for the purpose of its growth? So anybody who has their own business has this, this understanding that sometimes you start a business so things start to grow quickly. Sometimes an intelligent person will say, I need to hold it back. So they'll be like, really? That's why you opened the business? To stop doing business? No, don't be foolish. My kayach risha and my rotza in risha and my ikar rotza in here is for the, for, the, for the flourishing of the business. But sometimes in order to do that properly, I need to limit it. Okay? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is kairei shmoi al hayoim and not al halayla. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants His name present on the light and not on the darkness. Not because He's hiding but because he wants us to understand that the light is what he truly wants. That's who he is. I'm drinking a cup of seltzer here. Okay? So, so you now know that I drink seltzer. Okay, so imagine somebody would see, you would be talking to someone and they would see me walk by and they would say, who is that? And you would say, that's uh, Sun and Shine. And like, what does he do? drink seltzer. Really? Is that what you would say? No, it's true. It's not a lie. But that's not me. That's not a... I hope not. That's not a definition of what I do. Oh, the seltzer guy. You know, it's not... That's not what... That's not me. It's... So, so why am I drinking the seltzer if it's not me? Well, I'm... I, I'm here to give a sheer. I'm here to share the retire with friends in order to be able to do that. I'm drinking seltzer. It's a kayach sheni. But that doesn't define me. And that's what it means. Hashem called the light day. Because light and day, that's what, I, that's what Hashem, that's his ratzayin, his, his, his ikar ratzayin. Yes, of course I created the darkness. But that's not, that's the seltzer. That's a heichetimtze. That's not me. Okay, I think that's a very, very uh, mature pshat in, the, in, the, in that medrash. And that's what I think is going on here. I think that my son is graduating on Sunday. Okay? He's graduating high school on Sunday. So I'm going to attend the graduation. Right? Why? Because it's very precious to me to watch him reach a milestone. I want to be there. Let's say his Rebbe would call and say, we have to uh, give your son a consequence for uh, being up past curfew, whatever. Just Okay? Like, oh, don't do it until I get there. No, I don't need to be there for that. In fact, I don't want to be there for that. Because I don't want my son to think that that's a very special occasion for me. Oh, where's the Tati? No. No, that's agav. That's just in the you know as you're getting yourself together, you're 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 dealing with an oynish. You're learning how to become close to Hashem. I don't need to watch that. Not that I'm not interested. Not that I'm trying to hide. Not that I'm not involved with it. But that my lack of showing such strong attention shows that it's not my kayach rishon. This is not the relationship. And I think that that's the pshat in our pasuk in Parshas Ba'aloyscha. It's like the melech 
tells the pedagogue, he tells the mentor, he says, punish him, but, but wait till I leave, because I don't want it to be done in front of the king. I want it to be a, a small, private thing that's, yeah, it's, it's necessary sometimes to punish the prince, but let's not do it with a drum roll. I'll leave, it'll be a more rachaik kind of punishment, that I'm from a distance. For HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like when it says in the Torah in different places, in Osati Panai Ba'ishahu, that's an example of where Hashem's like, I'm not going anywhere, I am punishing here. No, Hashem's like, not my daughter Miriam, I'm not, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to leave, and, and I'm going to show that it's, it's not my Ikaratza, and it's not, it's not what I'm doing here. That's, that's Aleph. Okay. Bays. Mordechai, I mentioned this to you on Sunday. I want to say over this thing about the tzaras of the Rishos. You know what I'm talking about? All right, you'll you'll remember as I say it. The um, <clears throat> Miriam got tzaras, so she had a din of a mitzayra. There are two parshias in the Torah about tzaras: Azriah and mitzayra. And uh, she had a halacha of a mitzayr, right? So, fine. How did she become mitzayr? In order to become mitzayr, you have to uh, you have to go to a kayan. You need a kayan to make you into mitzayr. Who did she go to? So it seems from the pasuk like she went to Aaron Akayan. That's what it seems. I read the pasuk. Ve'ha'onon. I'm in the same pasuk as before. Miriam was mitzayras like snow. Aaron turned to Miriam, and behold, she was uh, she was a mitzayra. It sounds like Aaron was doing the job of the kohen, which is to declare tzaras. The problem is that the halacha is that a karev, thank you, that a brother cannot make his sister into a mitzayra. So, and Chazal discussed this. It's a little bit, um, it's a little bit of an issue. How did Miriam become a mitzayra? Her brother can't make her into a mitzayra. It's a good kasha, right? So when I was younger, I discovered that despite the fact that Chazal say that Aaron couldn't make Miriam into a mitzayra, I have proof, and I believe that it is irrefutable proof that the Targum Unclus holds that Aaron made Miriam into a Mitzayra. Okay? In Aramaic, how do you say white? You say Chivra. Machavarta means very clear, right? Chivra means white. How do you say Mitzayra, like in terms of the Halacha of Mitzayra? It's called Segiros. What does that mean? It means locked away. Because when someone becomes a Mitzayra, they're sugar, they're closed up. They're in... Um, they're in isolation. No, they're in isolation. They're in quarantine. Thank you. So the Segiros is like a quarantine word. Okay? Yeah. So... Look at the... Look at the Targum. The, the Pasuk... Just to, just, just to, the, the Pasuk says... Um, and behold, Miriam was mitzayraas. She had this affliction called tzaras, kashaleg, like snow. So it's telling me that the, the, the color of the tzaras was like snow. And Aaron turned to Miriam, and behold, she was a mitzayra. Look in the Targum. 
The Targum says, Va'anona istalak me'ilovei mashkena, and the cloud went up from on top of the Mishkan. The Ha'miriam chavra kesalga. Miriam was white like snow. She wasn't a Mitzayra. She had a symptom. She was white like snow. Ve'ispini aroin levos Miriam, and Aaron turned towards Miriam, ha sigiras. And she was a Mitzayra. Halachic Mitzayra. Clearly, the Targum Unklis is saying that Aaron made her into a Mitzayra. Before Aaron looked, she was white. After Aaron looked, she was a Mitzayra. So to me, it seems obvious that Aaron made her into a Mitzayra. How could that be? How could the Targum Unklis hold that way? So here's where I, I had a little fun, and I'll share the fun with you. Okay? There is an argument to be made that Aaron and Miriam were not relatives. How's that? Because they were all converts. They were all Gerim. Gershon is Geir, Kekot and Shanayla Dami. When Klal Yisrael was Makabal the Torah, they all became Gerim. And when they became Gerim, so what happens if, if, if a father and son become Gerim, so they're each considered like newly born, they are not technically, halachically considered related. Technically, it's an Isadurabanan, but technically a brother and sister who convert can marry each other. They're not considered related. We don't do that today, and so on and so forth, but technically, the, the idea of conversion is like a new birth, and they're not, they're not related anymore. So even though it says that a brother can't make his sister into a uh, mitzayra, but if you learn that Gershon is Geir, Kekatan Shanayla Dami, so then they were not related, and Aaron could make Miriam into a mitzayra. Now this is um, absolute heresy for me to say as a Chaim Berlin Talmud because the Maral strongly held that the concept of Gershon Izgayr Kekotn Shanoila Dami did not apply when the Yidden sat by Harsinai when they stood by Harsinai and that when the nation became accepted the Torah together they didn't all become not related as a nation, as families they were Makabal the Torah that's what the Maral holds but others are chaylik. Other great, great achreinim are chaylik and hold that there was a gershon is gaya kikat and shanoi And specifically, specifically, I found that the meshechachma, the meir simcha, the or sameach from Dvinsk, says that clearly, um, um, clearly it was gershon is gaya kikat and shanoi And he proves it. He says like this. He says, that there's a famous Pasuk that Klal Yisrael, at a certain point, were Baychin Lemishpachaisav. They were crying by their families. So Chazal say, like, what does it mean they were crying by their families? So Chazal say, Al Iskeb Mishpachaisav. They were crying about their families. There was an issue about their families that they were crying about. What were they crying about? So the Meshachachma says that in those days, it was, it was their minhag that they did marry close relatives. I don't think brothers and sisters, but aunts, nephews, whatever. That, it's different relatives that in the Torah are not mutter to marry. They, did, they were in the minhag of marrying. So, so they were baychen l'mishpachaisa, because the Torah said you can't do that. And they were crying the loss of the ability to connect with their own families in that way. Says the Meshachachma, 
But don't think, don't think that they were crying because they had to divorce their own wives, because people that were married to relatives had to get divorced. That is not the case. And he proves it. He says, because after the Torah was given, Moshe Rabbeinu told them, Hashem told Moshe to tell Klal Yisrael, Shuvu lochem that you should all go back to your tents. If you should all go back to your tents, what's ahalechem, your tents? That means to your wives. So if Hashem is sending them all back to their wives, what do you mean? Who said they're permitted to their wives? Clearly the idea was that they were all muttered to their wives. How could they be muttered to their wives? They were married to relatives. It must be. Okay? Okay, why am I so excited about this? It's a fun cheshven. Why am I so excited about it? I'm excited about it because the mishpat of Hashem, the judgment of Hashem is perfect. What was, what was Miriam's criticism on Moshe Rabbeinu? Miriam's criticism was that he separated from his wife. Where's the indication to Moshe Rabbeinu to separate from his wife? Shuvu lachem because he told Klal Yisrael to go back to their wives, but not him. You, Klal Yisrael, go back to your wives, but Moshe, you stay with me. But you stay, that's the end of that passage. Moshe, tell Klal Yisrael to go back to their tents. You stay with me. So that means that Miriam's criticism of Moshe was about the Pasuk of Shuvu Lechem Le'ahalechem. Which Pasuk allowed her to become a Metzairah? The Pasuk of Shuvu Lechem Le'ahalechem. The same Pasuk that she criticized Moshe Rabbeinu with, that Pasuk then came back to, uh, to, to haunt her, so to speak, because that's what gave, that's what shows that Gershon is Gaira Kikatan Shanaila Dami, which is what allowed Aaron to make Miriam into a Mitzayra. That's why I enjoy that, that part. This is, a, this is just a, a, a clever Shlemus to the Mishpat of Hashem. Okay, let's go, let's go back a little bit. They were crying because they can't do it anymore. That's, that's what he's discussing. That's exactly the Meshachach. And I think those that are Chaylik, I think, those, I think one of the riots that, those, that some people bring, that there was no din of Gershon, is, is the fact that they were crying. Ay, then what's Shuvalachem Lo'alechem? It means those that weren't married to their relatives. That's what the other Shita holds. But the Meshachach says that the two things do fit together, and they were just crying for the loss of this possibility. In the future, yeah. Now right, now everyone's gayrim, but for the future, that they're going to have to change their minog in the way that they, in the way that they marry. Okay. Just want to say over so much of Parshas Baaloyscha, and the truth is that it's worth mentioning. It's something that we should try to pay attention to. Um, in Yeshiva, we learned Chomish Bereshis and Chomish Shemais. Chomish Vayikra is very difficult and technical, so... We don't teach it to the kids. And Chumash Bamidbar ends up being the end of the school year and the summer. And it's full of unbelievably foundational stories about Klal Yisrael that a lot of people don't find out until they start being Mavra Sedra, if then. And, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's something to keep in mind, maybe even by the Shabbos table, to share with our children. You know, you know before the Rabbeim, uh, uh, before the Yeshiva Katana Rabbeim had the job to teach children, 
we had the job to teach our own children. So Rabbi Shua ben Gamla came along and he established Chadarim. That's very, very nice. But if Yeshiva Katana is over and it's the weeks of the summer, we have a job to do, and that is to, to teach our children the parsha. And I think it's very, very, very important because I'm speaking to myself also, I'm being machazik myself to do it. I think it's very, very important because there is a certain, um, there's a certain um, lesson that Chumash Bamidbar teaches children that Chumash Bereshis and Chumash Shemais doesn't teach as explicitly, and that is that Klal Yisrael makes mistakes. And that's a very important lesson. We make mistakes, and we're still Hashem's beloved nation, who He holds on to forever. It's very important, and and it's a it's a good it's good lessons. You know, it would be nice, you know, my, my brother's a Manal in Yeshiva Katana in Mansi. He told me that, uh, that the year goes until the middle of July. Are we very interested? <laughs> you know, they, they keep going. That means that in Yeshiva, they're learning about Leischa, Shlach, Kairach. Can you imagine? Imagine but teaching Kairach. That's when I teach those that's a, Yeah, right. in camp. Yeah. So, so that's the... Um, I think that's just, that's just the Chizuk. It's something to focus on. But I, I want to go back to the, the famous psukim of Ayyib and Sayah Ha'orin, just to say a short Ha'ara. The famous psukim of Ayyib and Sayah Ha'orin are, are in Parshas Ba'aloyscha, and the Ayyib and Sayah Ha'orin is about the Oren moving, and I want to just say one, one kuda about the psukim of Ayyib and Sayah Ha'orin. That's a very, very, very powerful chizak for us. And that is that the Gemara in Shabbos on Nafkuf Tezayin says that this parsha does not belong here. This parsha of Ayyibin Sayyaha Oroin is one of is about the Klal Yisrael traveling. The Gemara says the parsha belongs in the parsha of the Degalim, which talks about the travel of Klal Parsha zu In fact, the, the Gemara says in Lasid Lavai, it's going to be returned to its Makai in the parsha of Degalim. Um, so it's like, and the Torah makes a simon. If you look in a Sefer Torah, you'll see there are nunim hafuchim. There are backwards nuns that surround the beginning of the parsha of Ahiv and the end of the parsha. There are even by some counts, it's considered a separate chumash. It's considered a separate Sefer of chumash. Those two psukim, it's two psukim, two psukim. Those two psukim about the traveling of the Aaron. They're surrounded by two nuns. So why is it here if it doesn't belong here? How did it wind up here? So Rashi says... Ramban is Meirich, that there are a few tragic events here, one after the next. Exactly, the Ramban start, tries to figure out how there are three tragedies in a row here, and he has a whole minion of it. I don't want to be Meirich now to go into it, but the Ramban points out that there are several negative events in a row here mm-hmm. that happen in the mi- middle of Parshas Ba'aloyscha, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to interrupt it, L'Hafsek Bein Peranos L'Peranos, with the Parsha of Ayyib and Okay, what's the vert of the interruption? It's like a very important thing. So many years ago, I found if you want to see this more by Arichas, um, Rabbi Shapiro's Echetzadik Levracha. There's a safer of his shiurim. They're very, very, very. At least in my opinion, they're difficult to understand. But but there's a safer the yeshiva has it called Mima Makim, and in there he quotes from a safer called Siach Yitzchak from Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac Chover. It was from the great Mikubalim. And Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Chaver says that there's a reason why Vayhib and Sayyah Ha'orin is, is separated with nuns. He says, because nuns form 
Two nuns, if you put them together, they form a panem el panem. They form a, a, a like, like, like ki'ilu, two people facing each other, with two sides facing each other. They form a square. They, they're, they're paina, one to the other. So the idea is like this. The idea is that if you would see three tragic events, one after the other, you might think that there's something be'etzim about us that leads us to hate or to make mistakes or to or to or to, to not be close to Hashem. That's a toss. It's a, it's the the it's a, the it's a that's more external at the very very core at the pnimius we just want to serve Hashem. That's who we are. So when there was a chashash, there were going to be three tragedies in a row. Hakadosh Baruch Hu moved the parsha. He moved the parsha. I'm not going to get into tonight why this parsha, but let's just understand one nakuda. Hakadosh Baruch Hu moved a parsha to interrupt the chazaka. That's way Hakadosh Baruch Hu's way of saying, "You are not. You are not beetzem ra. There is nothing inherently wrong with you." And it's a very, very important thing for a Yid in his life to understand. The core of a Yid, no matter what has happened along his journey, the core of a Yid stays pristine Kadosh Vitar. To the point that if it looks like it's starting to create a preponderance of evidence of, the, of otherwise, HaKadosh Baruch Hu interrupts it. And what does he interrupt it with? HaKadosh Baruch Hu interrupts it with a Panim El Panim, with, with this... With this um, um, with this sign, with this, with this ice of Hakadosh Baruch Hu saying, "No, no, no! You and I have a deeper relationship than any of these tragedies and any of these difficulties and any of the issues. They have. We have something deeper. You know, if you have, if you're very, very, very close to someone, you're very close to someone, whether it's family or friend or something. Something you could be very close to someone, and then you could have a sechsuch with them." You have a little argument, you have something goes wrong, you disagree about something. So people that have real relationships know that you could have that we have a sechsuch and someone will say, what's going to happen? You're like, nothing's going to happen. We're going to get past it, we're going to apologize, we're going to move on. Really, how could you be so sure? Because I know that what we have is 10 miles deep and this sechsuch is 2 inches deep. It's not going to touch what we have. And that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted with the Panam El Panam here. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, there are Averis. Don't think that it has anything to do with the Panam El Panam, Diber Hashem Imachem, with the Kesher, with the unbelievable relationship that HaKadosh Baruch Hu maintains with us no matter what. Yashakayach and HaGotin Shabbos. Thank you for coming. You have been listening to a shear from shasilluminated.org. For other shearim on many topics, or to hear an eon shear on any dafin shas, including Myron McClaimus on each shear, please visit www.shasilluminated.org. To order CDs or for more information, please call 203-312-SHAS. That's 203-312-7427. Or email info at shasilluminated.org.